Be prepared. It's the 60-minute dash. I don't believe what I just saw. With your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. From Studio B at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Westbury, New York, it is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. There's a lot to get to today, guys, as we are talking NFL Draft. The Yankees have won 12 of their last 13 games. The Mets, there's a lot to get to when it comes to Travis Darnot and the pitching staff. But like I said, Nick, we got to talk about the NFL Draft and what's really dominating headlines in New York this week as the Giants selected Daniel Jones with the number six overall pick in the NFL draft. Dominating nationally in headlines, um, looking through the South in their uh, you know, newspaper, local newspapers, it's all over the place. You know, This is a big thing that happened in this draft, something that nobody was expecting at all. I mean, Giants fans are outraged at the fact that Dave Gettleman went out and reached at the sixth overall pick to get Daniel Jones out of Duke University. But I have to I have to say something about this. I'm seeing a lot of people say, and I understand the standpoint of saying, oh, I mean, I thought Dwayne Haskins was better, or I wanted Josh Rose in it and not Daniel Jones. But what's so wrong if you're so in love with a guy taking him at sixth? What's the guarantee that he's going to be there at 17? I think that that's just a stupid argument to even play with. I think you're playing with fire at that point. If Daniel Jones is 110% your guy and you believe that Daniel Jones can take you to the promised land, who cares what all everybody else says? If you think he's your guy, he's your guy. Don't mess around. Go get him at six. Yeah, I don't think that... I can disagree with that because, you know, there are other guys in this draft that you could have taken. You could have... You really could have realistically gotten Josh Allen, who Dave Gettleman was really hooked on as well. I mean... He even said in a post uh, in a interview that you know he it was really hard for him not to get Josh Allen, but he felt like what you said is his guy, and he felt that which this is the big thing that I don't believe, but it's out there. It's been rumors that there were two other teams that were looking into Daniel Jones, but I don't think Daniel Jones was going before seventeen. And for me to think that. That's sort of a scapegoat for Gettleman to get out of this and, you know, not have all this heat that he has on him right now. I mean, he he really messed up in this draft, I think. I mean, from I mean, I'm a Jets fan, but from a Giants fan base standpoint, this has got to make you really scratch your head and think, what is, what is the direction of this team? I mean, What's obviously, that? obviously, we're getting another few years out of EI. We know that it's going to happen. Um, but. With that being said, I think Gettleman has a little bit too much respect for Eli, and I think they're really just trying to make it so this is Eli's team. I feel like he's really afraid to cut the cord on him and really burn this bridge between Eli because, you know, even if you look at Daniel Jones, he is an exact replica of Eli Manning. Okay, listen. I want to go back to something that you said before. You said that... There were a lot of other guys in this draft like Josh Allen that you could get. But you know just as well as I do, Nick, without a quarterback in the NFL, you're nothing. Look at the Jets. They've sucked for the last 50 years since they last won a Super Bowl. Let's, let's, just, let's just get right to it. The New York Giants need a quarterback. They need someone to get from Eli Manning to the next wave, to the next wave of Giants wins. And if Daniel Jones, if you think that he's your guy, just go out and get him. Do not mess around. What if the Redskins take him? Then the Giants are in limbo, looking for a quarterback. 
for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine years. You, just, that's the, not the, the life the, you want to live. The Giants, not, look at the the Giants are already in limbo. They don't know where they're at right now because you can't say that this is a rebuilding team and you can't say this is a team that's going to compete next year. They're not a playoff team. If you look at them right now, they're not a playoff team. They're not making it to the playoffs. Listen, that's I, fine. But wait, they're also not rebuilding because they're going after some of these other guys and thinking that they can compete. So where are they right now? Because Gettleman has no direction for this team. Well, right now, they drafted Dexter Lawrence at 17. They got back into the first round and drafted a cornerback. If you ask me, they're just building up. And what's so wrong if Daniel Jones sits on the bench for two years? If they don't make the playoffs, who cares? If Daniel Jones is developing fine and nice and then he comes in in two years and he starts playing well, what are people going to come back and say later? Here's what it comes that down. That he's still screwed up? How, how are you supposed to know that he's screwed up? Daniel Jones is such a young quarterback. I... Listen, I don't want to rip Daniel Jones because none of this is his fault. He did not do anything wrong. His character's great. Um, he's a good guy on and off the field. But if you look at the, I mean, you can't really go based on numbers either. The well, number because the numbers aren't great for him. Drafting a quarterback, and especially out of where he from, came from, is all well, talent the, the based. The few, the few last games that he has been in. If you're scouting and you see the interceptions that he threw in the bowl game last year and you know you're gonna just bypass that and look at maybe the senior game where he threw eight completions in the most meaningless game in football in all of football I just don't I mean with Daniel Jones there's a lot of you know at stake with him there's a lot of high risk in him he can't throw the ball downfield you know, he's pretty much a pocket passer. Like I said, he's a replica of Eli Manning right now. And that's what scares me is I think Gettleman, like I said, is too in love with Eli Manning that he needs something just like him. But we've seen in the past few years that that hasn't really worked out anymore. And by, by going away with Eli for the next two, three years, I think you're encrypting on his um, legacy for one. Number two, if... Daniel Jones doesn't develop in three years, and he's just as bad as everybody thinks he is, then Dave Gettleman really, really screwed up this time. He really did to the point of no return. And he's going to be gone, and the Giants okay. are going to be back to the drawing board. And that's that's really all we can say right now is we just have to wait and see what we can get out of Daniel Jones because we really don't know what he is like at the NFL level. Okay, let me get to something. You said he might be an Eli Manning replica. You said it yourself. I said it. We don't know what he is. He still has to develop. And two, if he's an Eli Manning replica, don't let the last two, three years cloud your judgment. Eli Manning has two Super Bowls. He's thrown for a lot of touchdowns in the NFL, and he's thrown for a lot of yards in the NFL. He's had a solid NFL career. He has two rings under his belt. And if you tell me that Daniel Jones is going to have half the career that Eli Manning did, that means that he's pretty much a winning quarterback. I'd say I'd sign I'd sign up for that right away. And when you say that you don't want like for those saying that oh you could have just drafted much 17. It, the NFL draft doesn't work like that. Who knows what the Washington Redskins are going to do? Who knows? Who knows that somebody's going to trade up to get Daniel Jones if he is your guy and you believe that he is your guy and he can win with him. Why mess around? Do not sell me that, oh, you could have gotten Josh Allen. But you know this just as well as I do, Nick. I said this before. I will say it again and again and again. The quarterback position in the National Football League is different than any other position. The quarterback, look at Tom Brady. Who does Tom Brady have? Tom Brady is a pocket passer, 
I know that the, the new NFL, the mobile quarterback. Well, guess what? The old-style coach, the pocket passer, has won three of the last six Super Bowls. That guy has six Super Bowls. He's a pocket passer. So if you can get a good pocket passer, Tom Brady makes everything out of nothing. If you just get a solid pocket passer, you're pretty much saying that you can win every game. To me, there's a silver lining, and I like that you brought up Tom Brady because as soon as he was drafted and I heard all the Giants fans, you know, pretty much in shambles after the draft, you know, Tom Brady was selected in the sixth round, 199th overall. And everybody was saying the same exact thing about Tom Brady as we're saying about Daniel Jones right now. They were. Nobody expected anything out of a sixth-round quarterback. They thought he was going to be a wash-up and a complete mistake. Now, granted, he worked under Bill Belichick since 2000, 2001. And he was a sixth overall draft pick, so he didn't make the national headlines that Daniel Jones was making at, at number six but, overall. But the silver lining is, you know, maybe Daniel Jones can be the next Tom Brady. I'm not going to put him in the same category as Tom Brady because I don't deserve to. But Tom Brady's right now we're talking about as the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Now, if he's under the same lining, I think that Daniel Jones can follow this path. You know, the doubters, you know, not being the anticipation was very low for Tom Brady and it is for Daniel Jones. Maybe there is something under that arm that we don't see yet. Now, listen, we all don't know what is going to happen with Daniel Jones. We don't know what's going to happen with Dexter Lawrence, who I think is getting lost in the shuffle. And a lot of people are mad at the pick of Dexter Lawrence because he's just because he's a run stopper. He's basically being compared to Snacks Harrison. But, hey, they got a solid defensive player, another cornerback, which they needed, and they got their possible franchise quarterback. You just don't know. And I remember listening to Gil Brandt, the godfather, who is very, I, I trust his opinion on quarterback prospects more than anybody else. And he said, Daniel Jones has the potential to be one of the next Peyton Mannings. And that to me shows that he has the raw talent and ability to be able to be successful in the NFL. And you said, and I said Tom Brady before. And the reason I said Tom Brady is because He's just a pocket passer who slings it from the pocket. And Daniel Jones is a pocket passer. And to me, the pocket passer is such... It's, for some reason, it seems outdated in the NFL, but it always wins in the NFL. People want to say Patrick Mahomes is a mobile quarterback. No, he's a pocket passer that can be mobile. There's a difference. Look at all the quarterbacks from last year. Jared Goff, pocket passer. Drew Brees, pocket passer. Tom Brady, pocket passer. Patrick Mahomes sits in the pocket and passes the ball. They all got to the championship games last year Daniel Jones if he could just sit behind Eli Manning learn for two or three years now that the Giants have Dexter Lawrence they have players on defense on offense they have a couple guys they're slowly building up to me some people say that they don't have a plan I think they do have a plan see to me it's just not the plan that people wanted and you know what sometimes when you listen to the fans you sit next to the fans I said that to you before the show I'll say it to you on the show I'll say it to you after the show to me, I think it's a misconception where pocket passers really lead the league. Only because, you know, quarterback is the most important position. We, we get that. Yes, that's why they but, drafted Daniel Jones. Okay, I'm not, I don't want to talk about, I'm not talking about that right now. But to have a good court pocket passer, you need to have a good line. So it starts up front. And I think the Giants still lack that. 
So if they don't... I understand, but they have time, especially if Jones is not going to start this season. You can build up the offensive line through free agency in the draft next year. I understand They're that. They're slowly I, building up but from I'm, the ground up. I'm just telling you that if this doesn't work out, if, there's, if they don't get any help up front, Daniel Jones is never going to develop, and we're not going to see an, an, the next Eli Manning. We're not. And the Giants are going to be frustrated and struggle for years to come. That's just my opinion. And, you know, in the NFL, you're right. I mean, there's a lot more mobile quarterbacks. And I think that teams fall in love with the mobile quarterbacks and they don't work out. You know, Russell Wilson, yeah, he's a mobile quarterback, but... Uh, he's, but he has, he's, he's one of a kind. He could sit in the pocket and still throw the ball. Oh, no, he's mobile when he has to be. He doesn't a sit guy, there and just a run guy the ball. Like, a guy like, um, you know, the number one overall pick this year in Kyler Murray, you know, he's a mobile quarterback, but he doesn't have the height. You know, you, we don't know what we're going to get out of him either. I didn't like any of the quarterbacks in this draft. And to see Kyler Murray go number one, I was not surprised, but I also don't think it was the right number one overall pick. And, you know, even Dwayne Haskins, you know, he has the – ability but we're gonna have to see how it translates to the nfl because it's a very different ball game you know everybody's falling in love with these again falling in love with the mobile quarterback but at the nfl level it's pocket passing and you need the protection because protection is a big thing well here's the simple fact when it comes to the nfl and the nfl draft this year we're not gonna know we're not gonna know for another five years if any of these guys have turned out and that to me is just that's the glory of the nfl but if you ask me, I think that you can't say Gettleman got it wrong because you don't know what Jones is. You can't say the Cardinals got it wrong. I don't agree with what the Cardinals did, but you can't say they got it wrong yet. And I think that the Miami Dolphins got a score in getting Josh Rosen. I think Josh Rosen is a, a very solid NFL quarterback. Well, he has the potential to be a solid NFL quarterback. But you just don't know yet. These guys are so young, and it all depends on where they go. If you ask me, Pat Shermer has a clue of what he's doing. Some guys just fail. Like if, you, like, if you ask me, some of the quarterbacks that went to the New York Jets over the years, maybe they had potential, but the coaching just wasn't correct. And that's why they failed. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we return, we still have to talk a little bit about the Jets. And we got Yankees and Mets coming up later in our show as the Bronx are continue to surge with the slew of injuries that they have. And the Mets, aces not being so ace-like here early in the season. Don't go away. Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut School of Broadcasting with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools. Redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained. Get connected. 1-800-TV-RADIO. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. 
And we're back on the 60 Minute Dash. Brought to you by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Nick Pucci, Hunter Harwell. Here to go 0 to 60 with intense sports talk. And we got the NFL draft is finally come and gone this past weekend. Big names off the board. Some big names signed to new teams. And the Jets, for the second year in a row, get it right as they get Quinn Williams number three overall pick in the 2019 draft hunter how do you feel about this because i'm feeling pretty good over here nick i feel amazing because you know what going into this draft i heard a lot of rumors that said that the jets wanted to trade down and i swear to you nick if if the jets traded out of number three and let quinnon williams basically just walk away if you let quinnon williams walk who is i hear a generational defensive tackle talent i heard is bosa williams and then the rest of the draft if they did that, I would have come on here, Nick, and I would have screamed my head off because that is such a typical Jet move because the Jets always try to get cute and they always screw it up. And I think that I think that Quentin Williams, apparently Greg Williams, likes him a lot. And this basically the Jets is the battalion of Williams. But the, I think he's going to help Leonard Williams, who has never really presented himself as the talent that he was coming out with the sixth overall pick back in what, what was that, 2016? I think that he's. I think that Quinnen Williams will have Leonard Williams because Leonard Williams is always double teamed. I think that it'll help the new draftee, the third round pick, the defensive end from Florida. I just think that Quinnen Williams is such a disruptive factor in the middle of a defensive line that you need to put so much pressure on him that you leave everything else up to question. It allows for blitzes. It allows for nice coverage schemes. I think that he was a no-brainer at number three. You know, I, I really, I really, really like this pick, and I like that they. Again, I agree with you. They, sh- if for them to even think about drafting, uh, trading down in this draft, would have been it was stupid. It would have been a monstrosity. Because Let's call what is stupid? Look at the talent that went away in the first round, and then you know after that you don't really see big name guys like Quentin Williams, and this is a piece that the Jets really needed. Now they need a lot of pieces, but this is a good direction to go in. And for a defensive line that really needs help because we, you and I know how bad their pass rush is and how it's been. And how bad and their defense was last year. I mean, come on. I, think about this. The Bills scored 14 points in like three minutes. They scored a touchdown on three plays last year. You remember that game? The defense needed help. Quinnen Williams plugs up the run game, and he also gets pressure on the quarterbacks. He had a lot of quarterback hits last year in Alabama. For those people saying you need a defensive edge rush, well, what's wrong with a guy rushing up the middle? I mean, he just helps. That's what it is. He's just another factor. Well, think about it. You know, it wasn't too long ago that the Jets had the New York Sack Exchange. They had the number one defense in the league, and they got to the AFC Championship. That was, not, that was nine, ten years ago already. Think about that. So now, you know, they got to rebuild, and they got to start anew, pretty much. And... You know, for them to get Quentin Williams in this draft, it's really, it's so important. And I think this is the number one thing that they had to go for, and they did it. Now, in the third round, I, be, I forget his name, uh, they got an edge rusher. Yeah, from not, Florida. I'm not 100% sold on it just yet, but well, like, I mean, we, it's like, thir- we, like we said, it's the draft, and we don't know what we're going to get out yet. But I really would like to see the Jets go out and trade for an edge rush this season well, before th- the start of the season. I think what the Jets should have done is they should have gone for D Ford, or they should. I want. I agree with you. I wanted to get Frank Clark, but they wanted the Jets' number three overall pick, so I'm okay with McCagnan saying no to that because I don't think Frank Clark is a number three overall draft pick. 
I think I wanted them to get D Ford. I thought that or Justin Houston, something. But hey, they got CJ Mosley. They drafted Quinn and Williams. They already have Avery Williams in the linebacker. I think that there's a lot there to play with on this defense. Hopefully Marcus May comes back and he's a solid safety. They still need to fill out that second cornerback position. I think that they might go back into Mo Claiborne. They might do that. They still have Tremaine Johnson, Mr. $75 million, who's just eating money at this point. Uh, he needs a bounce-back season. There's a lot of question marks with this Jet defense, but the drafting of Quentin Williams, the edge rusher, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try. So I think that I think that they're stepping in the right direction, but there still needs to be there still needs to be more. And I'm upset about Anthony Barr because he would have solved that problem. Because remember, Darren Lee is pretty much done in a New York Jet uniform. He is not going to come back. Well, let's remember before the draft, the uh, the Jets did move a lot of pieces around and make some moves. You know, uh, Le'Veon Bell Woo. was signed. You know, we got some guys that can help this team. We got Oselemi. And, you know, the Jets are in the mix to you know, make maybe a slight wild card playoff run this year. They and, can. and again, they actually got Ty Montgomery a couple weeks ago, um, which could help. They were in They had Jam- They signed Jamison Crowder, the wide receiver. Yep. They uh, they and drafted one offensive tackle, the guy from USC, and I think that they needed more out of the offensive line game because I think they need to help Darnold. But apparently, this offensive lineman is a very solid player. He played with Darnold, so there's already that connection. They traded for I think his name Asamili from the Raiders. I just said that. No, 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 I'm, bu- I'm building on that point. Uh-oh. I'm saying, like, they've made moves on the offensive line right. to really yeah. help Darnold, and I think that the offense is actually going to be okay. Should, they don't have that number one star receiver, but they had a, But Robbie Anderson, as much as we criticized him last year, the last four games of the year, he really built something with Darnold. It's really looking to be they're really coming together with something. And I think that maybe in the next... It comes down to this. They need to win 10 games this year, Nick. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They got the head coach that they wanted. They got Darnold. They got Quinn and Williams. They got their guys. They got Le'Veon Bell. Enough messing around. Go win 10 games. Prove to me. Prove to me that Adam Gaze was the choice. Listen, seven wins is not going to do it this year, Nick. It's not. It's not going to do it for me. They need to go out there. They need to win 9, 10 games. Minimum. Listen, there needs to be a playoff mandate this year because that's a joke if there's not. I'm serious. They haven't made the playoffs since 2010. See, but now listen, this, is, this ties in a little bit to the Giants too. But, um, you know, last year's draft, we went in and got Sam Darnold. He's our guy now. And we started him last year, started him early. You know, first, first pass in his NFL career was a pick six. And he rebounded well in that game. And this is something that the Giants missed out on last year. And, you know, now we're there in their own mess. But... We look at Sam Darnold's development after he got injured. When he came back, he had a tremendous last month of the season. Wait, see, that's a why I think wonderful last month of the that's season. That's why I think it's and so think important for Daniel Jones to sit because I think Darnold sitting last year was the most important thing for him because it's it's important to sit down. College football to the NFL is very different. I think it's important for him to sit down behind Josh McCown, see how he prepared, see how he bounced back from bad plays, see what it's like to be in the NFL, watch tape really come along as a quarterback. And then when you start seeing things, then you can start the development. But see, that's where I'm getting it. And I love the development that Donald had. And so, you know, this is finally turning out to be like the right decision for uh, Mike McCagnon. And he's done it now two years in a row. So we're going to see now 
if these draft picks can develop and create a team that can win 10 games because that's what you need. That's the minimum this year. You know, that's the ex- expectation from a new head coach, a completely new coaching staff under him. And there's a lot. Your, your, your chair died, didn't it? Yes, it, it did. <laughs> but listen, there's a lot of guys on this coaching staff. There are a lot of heavy, heavy personalities. Greg Williams, Joe Vitt, Adam Gaze. It should, uh, to me, Adam Gaze is just a quarterback's coach with the ability to call timeout, which is kind of scary to me because from what I'm hearing, he's spending all the time with Darnold and not with anybody else. And I just don't want that out of a head coach. I I didn't like the hiring of Gaze. I still don't like the hiring of Gaze. But at least they have Greg Williams on the defense to really – he's the head coach of the defense with, you know, whatever that means. And I just think that Gaze – I think that I think the coaching staff is going to be better. It's going to be better by mistake. I mean, because Todd Bowles is just so awful. But what do you think about the coaching staff? Because I'm not really sold on Gaze. Because from what I'm hearing, he's just a quarterbacks coach. Listen, I don't think that you have to be you know best buds with the coaching staff. You don't have to lo- be in love with the guy. But as long as there is some sort of camaraderie and connection between the players and the coaches, that's important. And, um, you know, you have the, the, co- the players have to be able to respect you. And I think that Adam Gase has to earn respect from his players in order to get it back. Well, I, but, th- I think that, there, I think uh, that last year it was too soft. I think Adam Gase is going to be tougher on the players. I think, that he, I think right now the players are going to like the intensity that Gaze, Williams, and the rest of them bring. But... I'm just not sure if Gaze is the right hire, but I can't do much about it, so there's really no point in talking about it anymore. I'd like to believe that the new jerseys that they get in this year, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I'm hoping that the new jerseys are an omen for you oh know, my God. new changes in New York. Did you watch that jersey reveal that they did? I watched it at work on my phone, yeah. How many times did they say, New York, New York, New York? I mean, let's be real. They left New York twice. They left Shea Stadium, and then they left Hofstra. They're nothing to do with New York. Unless they're planning to come back to New York, that entire thing was getting annoying with JB Smooth. Every I didn't I didn't, every I didn't have the sound se- on. Every five seconds, New York, New York. I'm a New Yorker. You're a New Yorker. We're New Yorkers. The Jets are New York's team. I mean, come on. And it doesn't even say Jets. The Buffalo Bills are the only New York team. I know. I know. I mean, <laughs> it just it was getting annoying after a while. I mean, I get it if you want to say like, oh, we're here to play and represent New York. I mean. Come on. I, how about this? You win a couple games first, and then you can say you hey, represent hey, New hey, York. Hey, hey, They won five last year. Oh, they won wow. Five. Okay. They got the number three overall pick. Listen, but you know what's <laughs> the, thi- you know the thing about the uniforms? I don't want to get too far off topic, but when it comes to the uniforms, the, the colors really bother me. Gotham green, spotlight white, and stealth black. I mean, come on. No, the thing that bothers me is the helmet. They couldn't do better than jets. I mean, the, <laughs> where is there an actual jet in our logo? Where has there ever no. been an actual jet in our logo well, since, like, what, the 1970s? I mean, what it looked like to me, it looked like they went to a kindergarten class and said, here, draw a logo. And they just drew a worse football than was already drawn. <laughs> I mean, like, that's all they did. And it just says, and it doesn't even say jets on it anymore. It just says New York. Again, emphasizing New York. Well, should we just be called the New York New York? I'm Yorks? talking about the helmet logo. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, why can't we have a logo with at least a resemblance of a jet? I mean, they're named the Jets because of the Jets over Shea Stadium. I mean, can we get a jet in the logo? 
I mean, you changed the logo, and then you don't even put the new logo on the helmet. It just says Jets. <laughs> what sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense, and I think that they really screwed up on the jerseys. For as classic as they were for I think how many years, um, I am glad that they got away with like the hunter green. I didn't really like the forest green. Uh, I that thought they the had. jet uniform was. I thought the jet uniform looked really sharp. I mean, I like the jet road uniform this year. I, I, think, think, I think the road uniform looks like that they're ready to play, ready to do business. And I like New York on the jet away uniform, but on the home uniform, I wanted to just say Jets. I'm not a huge no, fan I, of the really bright green. I don't know about you. I just I like it. I like it better than the dark green. But you know, it's funny. Uh, my brother at CCPal20. Um, Shout out. <laughs> he mentioned on our 60 Minute Dash page on Instagram uh, that they look like the um, old Eagles logos from the early 1990s, and I thought <laughs> it was so funny because he had like you, you know those like little replica jerseys that you could get with yes, the little yes. fake helmet. He had that. And it looks exactly like it. And I thought it was the most hysterical thing ever. But while we still have time, I want to get your insight on, you know, with this whole Adam Gaze, Mike McCagnin, you know, butting heads, apparently. I mean, it's out there. It's rumored. But Mike McCagnin came out and said that, you know, no, they have a really good relationship. You know, I'm, well, I mean, they I'm, better have a good relationship. Adam Gase is growing on me. I have a lot of respect for him. So, what do you, what do, what do you have? To I say mean, I want to say this first of all. They better have a good relationship. Mike McCagden apparently had something to do with the hiring. Although I think Christopher Johnson was the one that said Gaze is the guy. But right now, I think that if there is any tension, it probably had to do with the fact of getting Quinn and Williams instead of maybe an offensive talent. Because, like I said, Adam Gaze cares no bit about the defense. And I think that the only thing that I could think of is maybe McCagden having such a such a priority on the defense this offseason, putting a lot of money into the defense, and then some into Le'Veon Bell. I think that's the only thing I can think of is the, the setup that McCagden went with trying to fix the defense. And if Adam Gaze is going to be upset about that, now again, I don't know if that's true, if I'm even right. But listen, if Mike McCagden's going to defuse it, I guess I have to believe him. And that just would it would not make sense to me if they were to fire Mike McCagnin for them to say, here, sign all these free agents, sign Le'Veon Bell, draft Quinn and Williams, draft the rest of the class. Oh, and by the way, you are fired. That makes no sense to me because then the Adam Gase hire looks stupid because then that means the coach who was hired by the general manager and the owner has to go probably. I just It wouldn't make any sense to me for them to fire him. There's no way to, for him to get fired. And I know Anita Marks on her show on Saturday said that he could have been fired by Saturday night. And when you texted me, I thought you were saying that he was actually fired. And I was like, well, I didn't really see that coming, but it really wouldn't have made sense to me. Now, I think that he's he's here to stay. I mean, he's going to have a hot seat if the Jets don't get off to a good start this year. Yes, but, I agree. Because um, last year's offseason and this year's offseason, if it doesn't come together at least a little bit. They, this year, they did way too much this offseason. I'm not saying too much that it's going to hurt them, but they did a lot this offseason to the point where well, you know you have up. to have a good season. For it to blow up, yes. 100%. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't touch that dial because we still have to talk Major League Baseball with the Jets. And, uh, I'm sorry, the Mets and the Yankees coming to you on the 60-minute dash. Stay tuned. You know, our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours. Shouldn't we be doing something we love? Call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. 
Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind the scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years. Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. Get trained. Get connected now. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. Good afternoon from the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Westbury, New York. Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell. We still have so much to get to you guys, so keep those ears on. Uh, as we talk about the Yankees in this segment, and they are surging. And, you know, where are they coming from? Because I can't even, you know name half the guys in their lineup right now. I have to look at it to actually know who they are at this point. You know, with the slew of injuries that they had, they can field an entire team with the amount of people that are on the IL. And they're still winning games. They have now won 12 of their last 13 games. So how are they doing it? How? Well, it's, plain how? And, it's plain and simple what they're doing is that, you know, when you're hot, you're hot. That's basically what it comes down to. And the Yankees are getting a lot out of guys like Luke Voigt, who who had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but he's proven to everybody that he is the first baseman here to stay. Gary Sanchez hit a, hit a big home run, had a couple big home runs over the weekend. Glaber Torres has had a couple big hits, and they're getting hits from guys like who is now on the DL, Gio Urshela, DJ LeMahieu's getting an MRI. He's looked really good. I mean, they're, they're getting good starts. Too. James Paxton really was a little rough yesterday. I don't really think they're getting that great of starts. I mean, C. C. Sabathia got roughed up and didn't get to his uh, three thousandth strikeout. Um, Ooh. You know, and you got Herman who struggled yesterday, giving up four runs. Yeah, um, but you also had J. Hap on Saturday, seven innings, no runs. I mean, that, I that's think, a very good outing. Who, I he, think I think the bullpen's doing a little bit better. And well, Aroldis Chat, Chapman came back uh, is coming back. He's doing very well as of late. He did really well against the Angels. But, you know, you look up and down this lineup, like you said, Luke Voigt is tearing the ball off the cover. You got, who's this guy, Ursula? Yeah, Yershella. He's having a good, he's having good, Sorry. good out. He's having good starts. But what I'm saying is that yeah. he's hurt now. I mean, he's, he went out there and he was hitting the ball pretty well. But right now, I, I think what it comes down to is the Yankees are just very hot right now. And when you're hot, it covers up some of the bad wounds. And if you ask me, I don't think the Yankees are going, this team can't keep it up. I mean, they're going to start slumping. But if you had told me, at the beginning of when, after Judge went down, that they were going to go 12-1 and in the next 13 games, I would have said no way. And the I thought that the Yankees were just going to have to remain around 500, and then when the guys came back, they were going to take off. This is beyond the expectation that I thought that they were going to have. Well, let's not take away that their schedule has still been soft. You know, they play well, the Angels, can't. they play the... But Beat I, who's in front of you, that's all that matters. I mean, but it's still incredible, and, you know, this is why I was going off on, you know, Yankees fans who are bashing them at the beginning of the season for losing to Baltimore, for losing to, you know, the White Sox and these I mean, teams, you know, because it was way too early. You just don't know. Well, it's baseball. And, you know, baseball is a type of sport that you can go out there. Was any team, if let's say, I know you need to qualify, obviously, 
But if you put the Kansas City Royals into the World Series, who knows? They could possibly win the World Series. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? You just don't know. It's baseball. I mean, the, the, the reason why teams win 100 games is just consistency. But one series, who knows what the heck is going to happen? I think it's all, again, con- you're right, consistency. And I think it's, you know, all based on chance. And, you know, it's whoever's out there on any given day. And, you know, even with the Mets, as we're, we're going to talk about them later and their issues. But, you know, they're just getting quality outings from everybody on this lineup no matter who they bring in whether it's clint frazier who's hurt now as well you know glaber torres they're all chipping in and doing their part to you know keep the yankees in it and you know now they're only what two a uh, game and a half back on the raise and you know it's been really important for them to win these games they have swept the giants and now they're they're, they're just on a tear right now and i don't i i don't know how it's going to turn out when guys start coming back. You know, who's going to lose their job? And well, I mean, it's simple. So Mike Tockman hitting 170. Aaron Hicks, thank you very much. Now, when, when Giancarlo Stanton comes back, who apparently had a setback, he's going in for Brett Gardner. And you're trying to tell me that Aaron Judge is not going to have a spot when he comes back? He's going to have a spot. If you ask me, it's just going to go back to the way it was. I mean, here's the thing. I'm... I'm saying that the, a lot of these guys are overperforming. And that's what it is to me. They're overperforming. And when guys like Stanton, Judge, Hicks come back, they're going to get their spots right back. That's just what it comes down to. Because if you're telling me that, oh, the analytics, you can't tell me. I mean, like, you got to go against the analytics. You just got to watch with your eyes. These guys are moving the ball along. Trust me. When these guys go out there and they start losing three games in a row, then you're going to start complaining. Like I said, it's baseball. Everything happens. I mean, think about it. The Mets in 2015. Cespedes just put them on their back. That's what happened. And Murphy put them on their back. It's baseball. You just don't know. So what about Gary Sanchez? You know, he started off slow. He was batting 187 again. Oh, Gary Sanchez Gary is fine. Gary, Gary, a, lot a, of, a lot of, a lot of Yankees fans were, you know, just about had it with him. You know, they were fed up with uh, what he put in last year, and you know this year, right now he's again cu- tearing it up. Are you but, fed up with seven RBIs in the last two games? Who cares who they played if it's the San Francisco Giants? I'm seven RBIs in the last two games. Eight home runs in the last fifteen games, and that uh, that's fourth all time on the Yankees uh, in the first fifteen games of the season. Now, the only thing I am fed up with with Gary Sanchez is his defense because it j- it's never getting better. Well, listen, he know it's the unbelievable. One, the one thing that he knows how to do very well. And that's throw a guy out at second base. He has a cannon of an arm behind home plate. And right now, if you ask me, you can't tell me you want him to DH just for the fact that... I'm not. Well, no. no, no, no. Hear me out. I don't want him to DH just because you need him behind the plate because, like you said before, Gio Yershoa is having a very fine year, and he's very good defensively at third base. So what they might need to do is when Andujar comes back, DH Andujar, put Yershoa at third base, put Stanton in the outfield, leave Sanchez behind the plate. That might be your best available team because you need Andujar's bat. But Gio, your show, even if he doesn't hit, his defense is so valuable that because think about it, Andujar's defense it could cost you a game. Well, defense is the one thing that cost the Yankees a few games and a few series to begin the year, and now you know they're just as hot as the offense is. You know the defense hasn't really mattered up to this point uh, in the last twelve games or so. So right now. Their biggest concern, I think, is really just the injuries and when everybody's going to be back. And I think when they get back, they're going to be fine. And, you know, 
they've put themselves in a really good position right now going six games above 500 because you know they're right on the tail of the Rays who the Rays you know you don't know if they're going to be up there that lo- that much longer and you know Boston continues to struggle Chris Sale is 0-5 this year 0-5 there has to be some sort of issue going on with him an underlying injury somewhere along the lines that he doesn't want to come out and say but you know up and down the board for Boston you know it just hasn't looked good and we saw this in 2014 the year after they won the 2013 world series where they wound up in last place in the division i'm not saying now that that's going to happen with the boston red sox this year because they're just too good but if they fall any further in the basement in this division it's going to be really really hard for them to make a crawl back well i mean all you need to look at with the red sox is they had a double header with the tigers and in game one they had a lead they were up two to nothing and they blew it they lost, they got swept in a doubleheader by the Detroit Tigers. This, this team is struggling right now, and right now the, the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees are taking advantage. Because I, I heard you say before, you know, they're not playing the cavalcade teams, but listen, they're beating who's in front of them, and that's all that matters. You just beat the team that's on your schedule. It's not your fault that the Giants suck. It's not your fault that Mike Trout is the only competent baseball player on the Angels. I mean, it's just... They're beating who they need to beat. The bullpen has been very good for the Yankees. Their starting has been, it's been mixed, but lately it's been very good. If you ask me for what they're for what they're getting, I mean James Paxton was fantastic before his a little bit of a it was an okay outing, three runs in six innings. But they're getting what they need from the guys that they that they have. I mean Adovino's pitched well since that one really bad incident. A couple, I mean who did they face when he gave up a bunch of runs? I think that was against Houston, like two weeks ago. And since then, he's been very good. Zach Britton's been very good. They've Chapman has been very good. They're getting what they need. They're holding games down. And their offense has been so good that the bullpen is just keeping it on lockdown. And if they can just keep this up, I'm not saying they need to win the next you know, 15 games in a row. But if they could just keep going and stay about 6 to 10 games above 500 when the time the big guns come back, they're going to make a run at winning the AL East. And what, that's what I predicted at the beginning of the year. Well, one thing we have to, you know, keep an eye on is, you know, the use of their bullpen. We saw earlier in the season where Shane Green and Adam Adovino got expended and pitched a lot of innings in short amount of Well, rest. I think Chad Green's done. I think and that he's just getting blasted every time he goes out there. Because and I said it, that two weeks ago. You told me I'm stupid, and look at it now. He's got a 10 ERA. He's gassed, and, you know, it, they're using – too much of their bullpen arms and you know that's the one thing one concern with me for the starters is you know they have to get deeper into these games they have to go seven innings you know well that's what Hap gave you on Saturday Hap gave you seven innings no runs and that's what you need because it has to happen more than once a week it has to happen more than once a week it's like the same thing with the Mets the two guys need a break and right now the, the Yankees have a bunch of arms in that bullpen so it's not necessarily the biggest deal but over a course of a season if it's going to keep happening you're going to burn out by August and that's my point that I'm getting to. So, you know, right now they need to look, uh, they may be getting three starters back soon. And I think this is going to be a huge opportunity for the, you know, Yankees to recuperate and, you know, start getting the wheels running on this season because, you know, like I said, they need guys to go deeper into these games to, you know, take the edge off the bullpen a little bit because the bullpen has just been used way too much to this point. You know, they're not going to be scoring seven runs a game every game. And once they start playing higher-edge teams, you know, they're going to start scoring three, two runs a game, and they're going to need the bullpen 
to be ready to go to hold it down with a one-run lead. They haven't had to hold a one-run lead in quite some time. Yeah, but I think that Chapman is so acclimated to doing it that he'll be able to do it. And is Batances back yet? No. So I think when Dylan Batances comes back, that's just going to help out even more. And I trust the Yankee bullpen. I just There's a couple guys that I don't trust. Are you going to tell me that you want Chad Green in the seventh inning of a one-run game against the Houston Astros? Yeah, no, thank you. But if you're going to tell me that Adovino's going to come in or Britain, I have a good feeling about that. I'm not going to lie. I, I like the Yankee bullpen. And I think that, yes, it's had its faults. It's had its struggles. But Tommy Canley looks like he's coming back to where he was. I think that Sessa, even though he got a little banged up yesterday, I think that he's going to be fine. And another guy in the rotation that I think is not getting a lot of credit is Domingo Herman. I mean, yes, he gave up three runs yesterday, but you're not asking a whole lot out of Domingo Herman. He's just got to give you five, six innings of what he has. And that's all you could ask for from him. Well, listen, you know, the Yankees have a lot. Uh, they have a ways to go before they're going to be the team that everybody was expecting. Like I said, there's just way too many, too, way too many injuries on this team. And for what it's worth, they've done a great job of battling that and still winning games. You know, scoring early in these games, a lot of these... Yeah, get on them early. I think in the last three games, they scored in the first inning, and that's very important to a starting pitcher. And you know what they're doing? They're and just getting on base. That's what they're doing. They're just getting on base. They're doing something that we... The told Yankees them to do last year. This isn't part of the Yankees' realm. You know, they, they don't get on base and move them over. You know, they're the home run hitters. They're the baby bombers. But they haven't shown that to you in this stretch, you know, despite a home run here and there, the eight home runs by Gary Sanchez. But they're showing you fundamental baseball that wins games, and that's why they've won 12 of the last 13. That's what you need to do, and that's what they you know, sort of lost sight on early in the season and last year because they had the power of Judge and Stanton and Torres and Sanchez. That you, When you lose those guys and you have to play small ball, you start winning games because you're finding other ways to win, and you know, guys, opposing teams are attacking you in a different way. Yes, and right now the Yankees are just finding ways to win. That's all that matters. I don't care how they do it. They're finding ways to win. They're a gritty team. They're stealing bases. They're doing exactly what they need to do to win games. Like guys like Cameron Mabin. I mean, we thought Cameron Mabin was done. He's come in here and he's having a small he's having a small effect on the Yankees. I mean, people are just getting on base and the glory about it. Gary Sanchez's home runs this weekend, grand slam and a three-run shot. I mean, that's what you need. If you get guys on base and then the big guy comes up, a three-run home run is a lot better than a solo shot. Let me tell you that much. I agree. And one thing that we didn't mention is uh, Gio Gonzalez was released by the Yankees and he was picked up by the Brewers. And I don't know. Oh, if trust me. We'll get to that in the Mets segment. You, you I, trust I don't, me. I don't know if that was the best move for them, but they do have their star- some of their starters coming back uh, after injury. So we'll see how that goes. You're listening to the 60-Minute Dash brought to you by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we return, we're going to finish the show up with the New York Mets and their struggles with their aces and much, much more. All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip-hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSB news and more. Plus, you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your
your iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. It's the 60-Minute Dash with your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell, live from the Studio B of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in Westbury, New York. Going 0-60 to with intense sports talk. We're almost at that 60 mark, but we still have to talk about the New York Mets. And Jacob deGrom, three straight starts surrendering four-plus runs and not getting a single win in those games and Noah Syndergaard too you know has yet to have a dominant start this season are are the Mets fans are is Hunter are you are, are you nervous or, or are you concerned is there anything that we need to you know actually really truly genuinely worry about with these two guys well I'm going to tell you this much I'm not I'm getting a little worried about Jacob DeGrom. I mean, I think that it's more of a mechanics issue. He's even said it himself, and I saw in the NSMY postgame that there's something wrong with his the way he's bringing the ball up. And I think that his mechanics, I think he's going to be fine. He's able to fix that. Syndergaard worries me. Okay, Noah Syndergaard worries me. You know why? Because he goes 3-2 and two on every hitter. He cannot finish a guy off, and he's giving up home runs. He's giving up five runs every game. We're getting five innings. Five runs, two home runs, and, you know, for Thor, yeah, I'm the king of strikeouts. He's not striking anybody out. He's not. It's just, he's walking everybody. And it's frustrating to watch because at the Mets bullpen, how bad it is, I don't need to see five innings, five runs, put my team down. And then the Mets score five runs, but they lose 8-6. I don't need that. It's just it's frustrating to watch. And then, and oh, Nick, I'm not done with the Mets starting pitching, okay? Okay, because the... Okay, Gio Gonzalez signed at the Milwaukee Brewers this past week, okay? And he pitched against the New York Mets on Saturday. And you know what? And he the, lost. No, the Brewers won the game, Nick. The Brewers won the game. Did they not pitch Sunday? Okay, doesn't matter when he pitched, Nick. But you know what? You know what I've had enough? He, he pitched, pitched Saturday. Saturday and he, lo- no, he, he pitched, pitched Saturday. He pitched yesterday and he lost. Okay, Nick, but I'm going to tell you something. He pitched yesterday and he lost. How many more times, Nick, are we going to watch Jason Vargas go out there, pitch four and a third inning, give up one run, and everybody be like... Yeah, Jason, really, you have the fire, the confidence to go out there and pitch. I'm tired of it, Nick, because you know what's going to happen? He's going to go one inning, give up eight runs, get destroyed, and then we're going to have to watch Robert Gazelman and Jerry's Familia walk the ballpark, and the Mets are going to lose 15-1. to I'm not doing it, Nick. Gio Gonzalez was the guy to bring in. He's a capable major league pitcher. He gives up. So what? He goes six innings, gives up three runs. He's not giving up eight runs in two innings. And especially with DeGrom and Syndergaard struggling like they are, what's so wrong with bringing in Gio Gonzalez? Now we have to go out there and bring in Dallas Keuchel? I mean, go ahead and do it because I've had enough of Jason Vargas. I've had enough of watching Syndergaard give up eight runs. Syndergaard's Steven issue. Steven Matz and Zach Wheeler are the two best pitchers in the rotation. Steven Matz is a depth guy. <laughs> Listen, Syndergaard, you know, I think it's more of an issue of leaving balls up in the zone and he doesn't mix in enough pitches. I don't think he has confidence right now with his secondary pitches and he's trying to he I, he might be another ego guy. He might be in his on his ego a little bit with uh, you know, his fastball. He knows he could throw the ball 100 miles an hour and he wants to blow up by guys, but you know, guys are geared up for it now. Guys know how he's going to pitch and he has to, you know, change something in his delivery and in his, you know, repertoire that 
is going to mix and match with these batters to keep them off balance. He used to get guys off balance all the time. You know, he'd throw in a sinker or a slider here and there. His, his slider is 91 miles an hour. 91 miles an hour on a slider. Tell me how that is even remotely hittable in Major League Baseball. Now, he doesn't throw it enough, and he leaves balls up in the zone that allows batters to hit the ball, and that's why they're going out of the yard. Now, you know what? Why doesn't Noah Syndergaard just challenge guys? Because he's pitching around the plate. He's bouncing balls. He's throwing it way up in the zone. I've had enough. Just go after the guy. Stop going 3-2 and two on everybody because then you're bringing in the cavalcade of bullpen guys. It's basically a clown car. Besides Edwin Diaz and Seth Lugo, it's just a bunch of losers. I'm going to call it like it is, Nick. The Mets bullpen sucks. <laughs> it sucks, but, you know, these the, the starting pitching has to get deeper in these games. And that, I, I'm going to reiterate that because it's so important. And we're not getting that out of DeGrom, and we're not getting out of that Syndergaard, and that's why we're struggling right now. That's why they're below now at 500 because they're not able to get these starters to get deeper in games. I mean, we had a little bit of a scare with uh, Jacob DeGrom with the injury, and he came back Friday. Did not look so good. That's now three straight starts that he has not looked like the Cy Young Award winner that we saw last year. And it's a little concerning. You know, at two, it was fine. You know, two is like, you know, a breeze over, you know, he'll get back to his form. But three, that's when you start getting worried. Three straight starts, I think at this point, you have to look into this. You know, if he's hurt, I, Jake, if you're out there listening to me, which probably not, Tell somebody if something's not right with you. I think it's mechanics, man. You just signed a five-year contract. We need you out there pitching. We need you to bring a title to New York. And the only way for us to do that is if you're healthy and if you're pitching well. You need to fix this. Listen, I just think it's simple. I just think that his mechanics are off. And I'm not too worried about Jacob DeGrom because DeGrom is going to figure it out. He's going to put together a solid year. He won't be able to pitch to a 1-7 ERA again, but maybe he can get to a 2-5. Good pitchers struggle like this. And the problem is, the reason why I'm more worried about Syndergaard is because last year, he did the same thing. The year before, he had his same problems. Listen, I'm not worried about DeGrom because I think DeGrom is a good enough pitcher that he's going to come back, and I think he might pitch well against the Reds. What is he pitching? Tomorrow night or Wednesday night? Whatever it is. But, you know, I want to give love to two guys. You know who I'm going to give love to, Nick? Uh, Steven Matz and Zach Wheeler. Dude, Thank God Steven for you Matz, guys. I Steven, love him. Steven Matz, if you're listening to me right now Probably on a not. Monday, <laughs> the 60-minute dash, I love you. Thank you for going out there and salvaging the final of the of the series against the Brewers. Against uh, Gio Gonzalez. Yes, who gave up only two runs. Thank you very much. I mean, you know, thank you, next. Well, you're but like, because you thought he pitched Saturday. Listen, <laughs> listen, I don't care. When he pitched, he pitched fine. But Steven Matz went out there, he pitched for seven innings, gave up two runs, four strikeouts, and listen, that's what the Mets needed, and it got right to Lugo and Diaz, who are the only two capable pitchers in that bullpen, you know, not Drew Gagno in the gang. Those guys went out there, they got the job done, you know, Diaz goes out there, he gets his strikeout, he gets his one, two, three inning, nothing wrong. I think, thank you for Steven Matz, and then Zach Wheeler is going tonight, I have confidence that Zach Wheeler is going to go out there, pitch a good ball game, and get a win. Those are the two guys that right now I thought that they were the question marks going into the season. Now they're the they're the promised land of the Mets rotation, and they're keeping the team afloat because right now the Mets are getting actually they're getting a lot on the offense out of Todd Frazier, J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, Alonzo. They're getting a lot out of yeah, the. Yeah, I'm guy. pointing at you, big guy. 
Mr. I so against Todd Frazier. Look at him now. He's coming in. First, second game back, he hits a grand slam. He's batting over 300 right now, and you have the audacity to tell me that he is not a competent baseball player and should not be on that field. Are you kidding me? Nick. Are you kidding me? Nick. He's Nick. still a competitor in this league. He was, wow. he was in back-to-back oh, back home run derbies not, of, not, oh, long wow. ago. not long ago. Back-to-back okay? back home run derbies. Okay. Well, now, you know what, Nick? Talk to me in two weeks when he goes 0 for his next 25. Talk to me in mid-July, all right? Because if you're telling me that Todd Frazier is going to keep this up and his RBI single yesterday is going to keep him – listen, he's had a nice, what, six games? Congratulations. He's had a nice six games. I think that he's able to go out there. He's able to be a nice defensive plug. He's able to get his big hit every now and then. But if he's going to be a starter, I think it's just going to be a repeat of last year. I think he's going to struggle. I, I disagree with you. From what I'm seeing right now, you know, his confidence is high. And you know what? We kind of we need him right now. You know, I don't want to see Jeff McNeil at third base because you know what that means? That means Juan Lagares is playing center field. I don't care about defense. I care about offensive production. You just said to me in the last segment, defense cost the Yankee games. Defense matters. If you ask me, I'd rather Jeff McNeil at third base and then the outfield be whatever you want to do. I w- I'd rather Juan Lagares in center field having a nice glove and having Jeff McNeil at third base. 160. Listen. Listen to me. Brendan rally Hitt- killer. Who cares if he's a rally killer? They're ga- they have good defense. They have good hitters in the lineup. You're talking to me like the Mets have nobody in this lineup. They actually have good, solid players. Yes, they do. Peter Alonzo, Michael Conforto, Brandon Nimmo's getting on base. Robinson Cano, when he comes back, he's getting hot. You just named five guys that cannot come out of that lineup. Okay? Yes, which so, is why they have availability to put LeGarris in center field to play defense. Keep McNeil in the outfield. He's been doing well up to this point. There's been no issue. Brandon Nimmo plays a great center field. He has just as much range as LeGarris. And if I you, can't believe you're making a case for Todd Frazier to play every day. But he has been, and it's been working. Why is it working? They lost. They've lost a lot. Because of pitching. Because of pitching. Wow. Nick, let me tell you. You just mentioned before. Oh, they're scoring six, five runs a game. So the offense isn't the problem. It's the pitching. You made your own argument. Listen, Nick, I'm going to be real with you, okay? I understand that you want Todd Frazier in the lineup. I understand the pitching is not that good. But you I mean, play who's hot. How outraged were we when Pete Alonso had a regular scheduled sure. day off when he was batting over 400? You sure. cannot do that. Play Todd Frazier until, 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 until he's cold. cold. Yes, play Todd Frazier until he's cold. But it sounds like to me that you're saying play Todd Frazier every day for the rest of the season. No, keep him in while he's hot. You can't just take him out no, but because my, someone else comes back. But my problem is when they got J.D. Davis high, he would hit two home runs in one game and then they bench him. That made no sense to me. If you ask me, I like J.D. Davis a lot more than I like Todd Frazier. That's a big, that's a, that's a big pause right there because, uh, you know, I like J.D. Davis. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's had a pretty good season up to this point. But, you know, you're going to get out of him what Houston got out of him, what they expected out of him. You know, it's not too much. It's not too little. You know, he's a great utility role and a good bench player. But he's not an everyday starter, J.D. Davis. He is not. He's not an everyday starter. Todd Frazier, who we've known, has been an everyday starter since he's been in the league. And he's right around the 34-year-old mark. You know, you got to have him while he's still here. Listen, 
J.D. Davis, every time he's been out there, is going out there, and he's done something. I'm, he's hitting 290 on the season, Nick. And if you ask me, listen, obviously Todd Frazier is a better defensive third baseman than J.D. Davis, and to me that means a lot. But J.D. Davis is apparently taking, he's taking fly balls in the outfield. He's played corner outfield before. So I would not be opposed to that if you want to put Nimmo in center field. But then you also got to remember Jed Lowry is supposed to come back soon. But, but if you ask me, you cannot short-end Jeff McNeil. Who would you rather play, Jeff McNeil or Todd Frazier? Jeff McNeil. There you go. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'd rather Jeff McNeil be out there every day than Todd Frazier. But Jeff McNeil, I, I think that he's done a well enough job in the outfield where he can make that his home this season. You know, that's where you're going to find the most success out of him. And, you know, the good thing that you and I can both agree on is the Mets – as we mentioned before the season even started, is they have great depth and they have guys who can play multiple position positions. Jeff McNeil can play outfield. He can play third base. Dominic Smith, he's learning the outfield. He can play first base and he's been hitting well. He's earned himself a spot on this roster. Yes. To play. You know, the one thing that I think that we fall short on is, you know, maybe another true second, uh, true shortstop. And, you know, when Ahmed Rosario goes down or, you know, he needs a day off, we had to throw in Jeff Guillorme, who, oh, Luis, my God. Luis Guillorme. Did I say Jeff Guillorme? Yes, you did say Jeff uh, Guillorme. We're talking about Jeff McNeil too much. But Luis Guillorme, it, it, he hasn't shown me anything. I love the guy in spring training. I love the guy last year in spring training in AAA, but he has not shown me anything at this level. And he can't even hit the ball out of the infield. So... That leaves a big question mark for the Mets. Now, I don't think it's a big concern for them. But one thing that we didn't mention, Travis Darno, DFA'd. Yes. Designated for assignment by the New York Mets. They have 10 days. Well, now it's probably eight days to either trade him, put him on waivers, or release him. So, you know, what does this open the door for? And Tomas Nito, he came in yesterday and he got himself an RBI double. Yeah, so I, listen, I don't mind Tomas Nito being on the roster. I mean, I prefer Devin Mezzarocco, but Tomas... That's N gone now, so... Well, I mean, Devin <laughs> Mezzarocco, he, they could still call him up and put him out there, but if you ask me, Tomas Nito's not a bad backup catcher because he's very good defensively. And if he's going to get you that two-run double like once every couple weeks, fine. I mean, I'm not expecting him to hit. I'm just expecting him to be a solid backup catcher on Sundays. And that's what it comes down to. And Travis Tarno, the Mets are very stupid with their money because they signed him to an arbitration deal. And now they have to basically pay him the $3 million outright. But you know what? Hey, they're, they put their money where their mouth is. They're keeping the best 25 guys on the roster. And really, Travis, see you later, pal. That's all I have to say. I mean, because you've done nothing for the New York Mets organization. Other than hit a very a, important A home run in a game that the Mets won by a couple of runs in the NLCS. That's what it comes down to. And listen, the Mets pitching staff get better. Todd Frazier, just keep it up or else I'm going to scream more at Nick. Yeah, we don't want that. All right, everybody. You've been listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. We thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.